Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Right now, Alan Campbell, chair of the Manitoba School Boards Association. Alan, good afternoon. Hi, Hal. Hi, thanks a lot for doing this. I'll just ask you about the audio I just played last half hour of Premier Pallister announcing this rapid testing uh, for teachers. It will focus in on teachers. Uh, that That's good news. You have to be happy about that. Yeah, you bet. It's good news. Uh, anytime we can make sure that we're getting those answers uh, quicker, uh, that, that makes sense for us, and uh, we're happy to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for two weeks after the Christmas break, after the normal Christmas break, basically uh, until the middle of January, there will be remote learning for grades 7 to 12, and uh, that option is available for kindergarten to 6. What do you like about this? What don't you like about this? Uh, well, it's not so much about like or dislike. It is a little bit different. I don't know that anyone was uh, anticipating necessarily that some grades would go remote and some wouldn't. But uh, school divisions have been planning for uh, remote learning to to any extent uh, for months now. So uh, with the time that we have between now and Christmas break, it'll be about uh, making sure that supports are in place uh, for those who will be going remote for sure, which is grade 7 to 12. And school divisions have already started reaching out uh, to understand which K to 6 families that aren't already doing uh, remote learning uh, will uh, will opt for that uh, after Christmas break. I've heard some critics uh, of this plan call it the daycare plan, right? The older kids, grades 7 to 12, they're doing remote learning for a couple of weeks. Uh, students K to 6 are, are in class for the most part, although they do have the option of remote learning. Has a big part of this uh, has has it become a big part of this about you know allowing parents, moms, and dads to continue working, and uh, at least uh, the younger kids uh, being in class and allowing that to happen easier for some families. Well, for, for school boards, you know, in our conversations with the department and with our partners in education. Uh, the impact on childcare has certainly been a consideration as we go through this planning process. Uh, even if we had moved to code red in schools and remote learning for K to 12, there was already contingencies in place to have the children of critical service workers continue to attend school, um, so that those so that those individuals could attend to their jobs uh, in cases where childcare wasn't available for them. Um, but I think, you know, for boards, we've consistently maintained that we would uh, adhere to the direction of public health. And as Minister Gertzen referenced yesterday, the decision was uh, was steeped in, in consultation with Dr. Rusin and his team. Uh, when you look at the cases in schools, uh, as was referenced yesterday, the vast majority of positive cases in schools were in the older grades, which are now going to go to that remote learning for a two-week period after the break. And the rationale for that, of course, was outlined yesterday. But uh, childcare is always a consideration uh, and, and, uh, and is weighed against all of the other variables that are on the table. Mm-hmm. Hey, Alan, uh, final question. You know, uh, somebody said third wave the other day, and I went, yeah, third wave. Gee, like we're, you know, we had a pretty good first wave here anyhow. I mean, you know, it's a it's a pandemic. It's a killer virus, but it, was, it wasn't bad. Second wave certainly has been really bad. But there could be a third wave. Is enough planning going into further down the road six months from now a year from now are you seeing enough of that kind of discussion 
happening. I'm, I'm curious, as, as you all meet uh, and you're at the school boards, as everybody meets, is there enough planning? Because I, I feel sometimes like it doesn't feel like or sound like uh, there's been much planning, uh, you know, for now that could have been dealt with six or eight or ten months ago. Uh, well, I I would probably I would counter that perception a bit. The, the planning is extensive, and and it's difficult to put out what the planning considerations are because you don't want to get too far down the road because as we know. Um, the ground shifts uh, and, you know, we were never talking about a third wave even a sure. month ago. Now we're talking yeah. about a third wave. So I think when you consider the, that school boards are, were ready if we needed to, uh, even before Christmas break, to consider putting all students into remote learning uh, in the event of a third wave and if things get worse and community transmission gets worse, we're prepared to move schools into that more uh, in-depth remote learning scenario. Obviously, we don't want to do that but we're prepared to do it. Um, and it's different now than it was in the spring. In the spring, there were a lot of unknowns. And while there still continued to be unknowns about what, the, what you know, even the next month or two will hold, uh, we are prepared to put all students into remote learning if that's what needs to happen. Um, and every consideration, whether it be technology access, um, you know, keeping in touch with students, uh, students with special needs, uh, getting ready for graduation, all of those things continue to be on the table uh, as we move toward the uh, start of the second semester. Things certainly do uh, happen fast these days, absolutely. Alan, thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Al. Pastor Bruce Martin, Calvary Temple Church. Pastor Bruce, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Good to talk Thank to you. Thank you. Yes, and wonderful to talk to you as well. Are you staying? Are you staying safe? You're well. I am well and learning. Uh, you know, I've been pastoring a long time, and I'm learning yep. how to do it in a new way. How is that and, going? Uh, it, you, you're like, and and I I mean this in the in the best possible way, Pastor Bruce. You're an old dog like me. Not old, but you know, <laughs> us old dogs have a hard time learning new tricks. How are you managing in in this pandemic and everything virtual and well, I am learning how to do services through live stream. And that's, you know, when we uh, go directly to our website and people come into the website and instantaneously they're watching us live in time right there in their homes and we're doing it right live in the church and it's called live stream. And I've learned to do this and it's amazing how it works. And how is it working for you and for the members of your church? Because obviously we have churches in the community and members of those churches who don't like uh, doing it virtually. In fact, uh, you know, they would have full-blown services if they could. I don't want to drag you into the politics here. We're going to get into the legal fight in a bit with our reporter, Brittany Greenslade. But uh, just give me your your thoughts on that. Well, well, let, let me make it very clear. Would in a perfect world would want to be back in our building, sitting in our pews. Okay, sure. let me make that very clear. Um, and and I I feel for those who are involved in this struggle, and and I want to make it very clear. That's where we would be if we had a choice. When we are told that we 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 went shut down completely march and april may june we opened in july we were open july uh 
partial. People had to register and all of that. But we were open with people coming to the building. November the 1st, it stopped. So the last four weeks, we've been out of the building. We've been doing it online. I was speaking with someone today. I have a way of checking up on people. I'm phoning through a database and just wanting to pastor. Uh, Because of my age, I do it on the phone, not not on Facebook. But, But And I talked to a lady today. I never heard this in my life. She said to me, this is three hours ago, Hal. She said, Pastor, I have to tell you. I go to church more now than I used to. Hmm. And I went, well, that doesn't sound right. But I listened. And the point was, she was connecting online twice a week, every time, never missing. And she said, I never used to go to church that much. But I find it so fascinating when you and your wife sit down, we do a Wednesday night Bible study from our dining room table she says i wouldn't miss that for the world well i used to have 40 people in a room (laughs) and now i have hundreds of people who watch online so uh, is it our first choice no but but god is at work in our lives and god is touching people and we are saying yes we're we're going to we're going to uh take what we have and make the best of it And as I said in the Winnipeg Free Press article, for the leadership team, and I don't don't lead alone at Calvary Temple. I have a team of staff and a team of lay leaders that, that I pray with, that we talk about these things. And we have agreed together that safety has to be at the top. And then secondly is, as a church, are we being a good witness? Like, like are we... Are not just are we, because the truth is we are, but are we looking to the general public as if we are good neighbors? Because so many people have been consumed with this thing, and they are just so fearful that for us to just poo-poo it and say it doesn't matter and all, I think we have a responsibility to be part of the solution part of the interim solution and for now the government has told us in their best judgment and wisdom you need to just help us lower this curve flatten the curve whatever it's called and if you would just not get get together in groups bigger than five mm-hmm. well that's 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 really hard to to cope with you know, like that's quite asking quite a bit, especially when there's these things in the community, you know, like if, you know, I've had people jokingly tell me, you know, you need to go down and hold your church at the, you know, the Home Depot or at the liquor store, you know, and, and so they make fun of the sort of the the exceptions in the rule, you know, but we're we're not angry. We're we're coping well and the Lord is with us and helping us and. And then the lady this morning says, uh, I go to church more now than I ever have. So what she's saying is the church isn't a building. The church is people. The church is connecting with your pastor and his wife. The church is praying together. The church is reading the Bible together. We're doing it differently, but we're still doing it. 
Yeah. It's, you know, it's a sac- we're making sacrifices for the greater good. That's sort of one way that I, I put it. And um, help, help me out here. Uh, I, I get text messages and emails and, and messages on social media from people every day, and many of them quote Scripture. And uh, and I don't know if what they're telling me is is true or not. I, I'm I'm not a, a big uh, uh, I don't know the Bible that well. What what would mm. w- tell me what God would say about this, uh, Pastor Bruce? Like what, obviously you've you've uh, pastored about this, you've talked about this, you you've preached about the yeah. situation you're, you're we're in. What, what do you tell your the members of your church? Well, we at at this moment. We are telling people to keep their eyes wide open for people who are struggling and be a blessing. You know, uh, reach out to people, care for people. That That's the message. Now, I know there are others, and, and depending on what background you come from, maybe you have a, have a European background where you have relatives, you know, grandparents or great-grandparents, who experienced the overreach of government, you know, a hundred years ago in Russia yep. or wherever. Mm-hmm. And and they're saying, that's what this is. You need to stand up. And, and let me tell you also how I have very close friends and it, I can almost cry when I think about it, the, how businesses are being ravaged by this. And it's so selective, you know, it becomes a feast for someone over here. He's working so hard. He can't even hardly stay awake. And over here, the person is losing their life savings. You know, everything they work for. I had a fellow yesterday tell me, I'm in a third-generation family business, and we're likely going to be the generation that loses it all. Hmm. And not through any fault of his own. So I feel that pain. I understand yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But I really, I really would, please, who just, my heart about what you're going to be talking about in the next segment with the Springs mm-hmm. Church. That, without a doubt, that is not their first choice, the actions that they've taken. This is, this is feeling so pushed and nowhere to turn, you know? Now, we, we've chosen to, like, I knew nothing about live stream and, and, there, so they have all the technical stuff at that church, but the getting together is an issue that is very, very, and people need it, you know, people need it. But for me, it's that, it's that civil, civil disobedience line, eh? There may come a time, there may come a time when, when society changes to the point where, where we need to do that. But in the midst of a health crisis that we're all involved in, I think that that your com- your comment about the common good, I think for us as a church family, that's where we're at. We're trying to um, not build walls to our neighbors. And boy, those people are pretty wacko. We want to build bridges to them. We want to we want to be the person in the neighborhood that that remembers that there are people that are struggling and keep our eyes open for them and reach to them and talk to them. And uh, so that's, that's how we're approaching it. But I certainly know that there are those that, that feel that the overreach is, is uh, religious persecution. Now, here's my comment. 
<laughs> my friend, uh, Mark Chipman, and the and the Jets down the street. Last I noticed, they're not a church. And boy, the lights have been out for a long time. And the point is, they're being treated like we're being treated. And I wouldn't I wouldn't say that we need to press the point that churches are somehow being singled out and being treated uh, unfairly. Hmm. Would I like to be back at church? Yeah. I'll go this Sunday if you let me. Sure. Please let well, me. Understood. <laughs> please let me. Yeah. I'll go this Sunday, but but I'm not going if you're telling me. Please don't. Uh, Pastor Bruce, I appreciate. Listen, uh, I appreciate conversation with you, whether it's here over the phone, on the air, or is it in the past as it's been at, at my kitchen table over a coffee. And and I really oh, do appreciate I re- you. <laughs> I remember that very well. I know I do as well. And and uh, your. Uh, uh, your time with me was important, and, and I'll always remember that. And, and thank you for your time today. And, and let's hope we get through this all together quickly and we yeah. can get back to having church service. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, and, and and all of us on the same team in the sense that, Lord, bring this to a close quickly and get us through this and get our businesses back where they were and get people in families that are fighting against each other and going through depression and all of that, those people need our love like never before. Amen. Pastor Bruce Martin, thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, let me bring in Carolyn Klassen here from Connexus Counseling. Carolyn, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you? Good. Thanks for letting me do that. I know this is your time, but when people react like that, I like to try and get it on, I, and I just don't know when I'm, I'm going to get it on, so I appreciate what? that. And I just loved listening to him. Um, it was just like a breath of fresh air, right? I loved hearing his voice and his calm and his inspiration and his wisdom was wonderful. Yeah, he's, he is a wonderful man. You don't have to agree with uh, everything he believes, in it, but he's, he truly is a man who cares about the community and, and the people in it, absolutely. Hey, I wanted to focus in, first of all, on teachers with you and students. We know now um, that remote learning will turn at, return after the Christmas break for a couple of weeks for uh, grades 7 to 12 and K to 6 to if they want it, if the families decide uh, that's uh, better for them. And uh, we have been hearing for a while now, and, you know, the Manitoba Teacher Society is saying again uh, today that we have to be aware that uh, teachers are on the brink. They've, they've had a lot. They've had to deal with a lot, and it continues. And in some ways, uh, some teachers and uh, their union believe that this will add to their workload, not uh, take away from it. So let's. we've talked about this many times, but it's important. It's what we do around here. We play the hits. I, I come from rock radio where we played the rock hits. We're in the talk biz now. We, we play the hits, and, and one of the hits is COVID-19 right now. It's not a hit that we enjoy. Um, and uh, schools and remote learning now and teachers and the struggles. Well, and I think what, you just kind of hit the nail on the head, head hell, where you say, like, We have yet another change, and it's getting kind of boring talking about change all the time, except that when you're in the middle of it, this change is not feeling like same old, same old. It's yet another pivot, another set of stressors, another way to shift, another set of demands for people who were tired three months ago. And, you know, they were maxed out, and now we have yet increased it yet again. And, you know, I'm just 
so aware that the math doesn't work. What we're asking people to do as instructors, as healthcare workers, is above and beyond what really is sustainable, uh, and yet it sort of feels like we have no choice. And so I think we have to figure out when we ask people to do more than what is reasonable, we also have to figure out how to support them more than we ever have before. And some of that is formal. I was listening to part of the news conference yesterday where they're trying to build in some resources. But I think all of us need to step up, you know, in an informal way. And if you have kids in school that you, you know, you write, send a note in with your child to the teacher, letting them know that you care and that you're cheering them on and they have somebody in their corner, that you see if you can make a pot of soup and, you know, that you find tangible, practical ways of having teachers know they aren't alone because right now they're too tired to reach out, to reach out to mental health resources. They are just, like, maxed out to the max. And I think we need to figure out how to intervene in their lives in a way that says, we see you, your matter, and what can we do to help? This is something we are going to do to let you know that we care. And, you know, we've talked about that little stuff, right? And I've said, and I, I, I'm sorry, I've had so many conversations like this. I'm not sure if I said it to you. <laughs> uh, but I have said in the past that, you know, it, it seems like this little stuff matters more now. And, you know, a bowl of soup or making a batch of cookies or a note for the teacher might not seem significant. But in their day, it may very well help them get through it. It does. It's the little things. There's so much that we cannot do, you know, so much that the restrictions don't allow us to do in terms of giving a people hugs and being able to support them really tangibly, coming over, visiting them. There's lots that we can't do, and so we have to find the sliver that we can do and really exploit that in a way that has people feel seen, heard, and valued. Because when you're running on empty, if there's anything we can do to put a little bit of wind in their sails, they really feel it and they notice it and it matters. The other day I had a really busy day and I'm doing just about all my therapy online and, you know, Zoom fatigue is hard when you do it hours and hours on end. And my husband that night said, you just, you know, go relax, put your feet up, I'll clean up supper, like just take it easy. And, you know, I, like it, it really, it carried me through that another day that somebody saw me and it wasn't like, could I have helped clean up supper? Sure. But the fact that he saw how hard it was and he let me know that he saw that through a tangible action just really helped me be able to feel good about I can do this for yet another day. Mm -hmm. Why is this so so much harder uh, doing things remotely? Is it because it's different or why is it so much harder? Because it is. It is. So here's the thing. When we are, we, we always thought that we went to work to get work done, right? And I think what we're realizing is we didn't just go to work to get work done. We went to work to be with people, to in, exchange pleasantries in the elevator and as we passed each other in the hallway and to talk about something as we got a fresh cup of coffee from the coffee maker. And that incidental contact with people, that actually really did a whole lot for our well-being. And the thing is, is this, when you look somebody in the eye and you exchange a greeting with them, like eyeball to eyeball, like it doesn't even have to be intense. It's just that you're present in the same room. You exchange, you, you have oxytocin in your brain that gets activated because somebody is looking at you and seeing you and you give them that same boost. You don't get as much of it when you're looking at people online um, through a screen. And so there is 
there's just that there's something that's missing when we're not with people. And now when even when we get to see people, my husband went to the grocery store yesterday because I let him go to the grocery store because at least I get to talk to people on video and he needs to see people. So the big treat <laughs> is to go grocery store. But yep. it's not the same, right, where you're looking at each other and you don't see smiles and you don't catch the full, you know, expression. And there just isn't as much humanity because we're behind masks. I think we really have to sort of figure mm-hmm. out how to really notice and have an exchange with people whenever we have a chance to be grateful to the people that are working in the grocery store to take an extra three seconds and say, I really appreciate your help today. You know what's funny about that? I was out last night and I'll just sometimes hop in the truck a couple times a week and just go for a drive, grab a coffee at the drive through and come home. Nothing. It, anyhow, I need it. It was a bit of a kitchen emergency. We're ordering our food in now, you know, our groceries and stuff. And so anyhow, I found myself at a grocery store last night. And while I was there getting what I had to get, I thought, oh, I'm going to get the, a little thing of my favorite salad. So the woman at the deli is, is dishing it up. I ordered it. She's got a mask on. I've got a mask on. And then she said something to me about, oh, this is my favorite salad or something like that. And I was like, oh, man, how does this work again now? i got to think about, you know, how, how, do I, how do I have a face? I can't see your mouth, but I can see your eyes. We're going to have a face-to-face conversation. It took me a minute. Like, as stupid as that sounds, it did. It took me a minute to go, okay, we're, we're having a conversation beyond. And I usually, when I see people on the front lines, and grocery store workers are on the front lines, no question about it, I'll say at the end of our interaction, hey, thanks a lot for, you know, working and, and doing what you do. But it was kind of funny, and it's it's like we're out of we're out of practice. <laughs> it is right where things that we that are just a normal, normal, normal part of our lives now feel unusual. And you know, as she's exchanging, you know, those pleasantries about her salad, you're having to hear people through their masks, and it's a little bit awkward. And it yeah. takes extra work to do something that we've always taken for granted. But I do think that the extra effort is worth it. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.